NZR Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast with one familiar face and a couple of new ones with a bunch of cool stuff going on. So let's just dive into it. Who the fuck are you guys and what do you do? Hi, Dean. Uh, my name is Svate Varshney. I am a skydiver and I'm one of the three candidates chosen to do this Hera Rising mission, which is a skydive from the edge of space. So, yep, yep. Just another stratosphere jump. 
Um, so a, a little bit about me, you know, my, my moniker is that I am a skydiver and a scientist. Um, I started skydiving, uh, oh, long time ago. I think I started, started training for my AFF in 2010. Um, how I got into skydiving is that I did a tandem skydive back in 2008, just a bucket list thing for the thrill of it. Um, as soon as I did that, I completely fell in love with the sensation of flying, of being in free fall. And I knew at that moment that I had to do it again. Uh, time was a little limited for me. So, you know, I, I put skydiving on the back burner a little bit, came back two years later, did a tandem and knew that right then and there, I had to sign up to do my AFF. So I started working on my license, trained all summer for it, uh, got my license. You know, my my skydiving journey has been this kind of path that I've I've walked alongside the journey I made with my academic uh, career. So I was in grad school the entire time. I was training for my AFF as well as my first six years in skydiving. So I was learning about skydiving and learning about science and engineering at the same time and making progress in both areas, um, as well as working with my university clubs and, and, and working on skydiving with my peers. So, um, you know, after I finished my license, I kept jumping, of course, while I was in school. Um, and, you know, after after I finished school, you know, six years later, I really was able to dedicate a lot more time and energy to training and skydiving. And and here I am. I mean, it sounds like you just had nothing but spare time to me. <laughs> <laughs> so if only. Yeah, right. Um, so specifically, what in science did you study? Yep. So I am a materials engineer. So I got my PhD in materials engineering. Um, and what I studied there was designing flexible body armor based on fish scale biomechanics. So it was this really neat project that uh, blended biology, bio-inspired technology, 3D printing, mechanical engineering, testing, modeling, and simulation all into one to create you know, fish scale armor. Jeez. I mean... I, I've had a lot of guests on the show that make me feel slightly inferior, but holy shit, <laughs> that's yeah, really that, cool. That was a cool one. That's really, really, yeah. No, no, I, hats off. That's incredible. <laughs> and I'm going to move on because you just depressed me. Um, all right, <laughs> who's next? <laughs> I am the next one. Uh, my name is Diana Valerin. I am the other uh, other of the candidates of the project of Hera Rising. I born in Costa Rica, and I studied a software engineer. Um, I started to skydive like ten years ago in Costa Rica with the static line, and I really, really get in love of the sport, and I I could not wait like the long process of the static line in Costa Rica. We don't jump that often, so it was so so slow the process. So I went to Skydive City to get my AFF and I get like hug of the community and the sport and I was like completely in love of the skydive. And then I start also to scuba dive. 
and at the same time with my uh, software engineer career. So that helps me a lot to get in this project. So the um, skydiving came before scuba diving? It was at the same year. It was, I don't know why, I was looking to do a lot of uh, different sports. Sure. And I start with a scuba dive and then I get uh, into a skydive at the same okay. time. There's a fair amount of parallels between the two sports, really. I mean, it's obviously gear intensive. It's the orientations can be very similar, although and I suppose it's uh, up to each person to decide. But I think scuba diving is more dangerous. Yeah, I think it's in both the sport, you have to be like very like follow the rules, you know, like if you follow the basic thing, you will be safe. And I don't know, I love both. It's very different to choose one because it's like, it's kind of similar, but the sensation is completely different. One, it's like very relaxed and chill and just like a meditation because you just can hear your own breath and see like another world, like different colors, animals, everything. And the other one is like, completely adrenaline and like very, very all like fast, but at the same time, both are super peaceful and just, you have to enjoy the moment. So sure. I think mm -hmm. both things, I, I love it. I absolutely agree. And next on the list. Hello everyone. And uh, Dean, thanks for having me back. It's absolutely. Good. And it's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. Been a while. <laughs> yeah. So please reintroduce yourself to everybody listening. Yes. Uh, my name is Eliana Rodriguez, and I am a professional skydiver. I've been jumping now for 28 years. I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> and I started jumping on October 1st, 1995. That's when I made that first jump. Nice. That just changed everything for me. I, I always still like, I'm in awe of that one single decision to like follow this curiosity can like completely change your life and change your world <laughs> for, for me, for the good, you know, for the good, you know, I, I, um, I was so grateful to be part of uh, the skydiving community. And I think that's what keeps us all in. It's not just the jumping, but the, the, the community. Right. But um, I, um, I've been uh, for years and years and years, I've been competing in four way formation skydiving, eight way formation skydiving. And now the last uh, few years, I've also been in doing 16 way formation skydiving. And um, it's been a blast. I'm like, I'm actually uh, 49 now, getting ready to turn 50 next year. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm still doing it. I just <laughs> signed up to do three teams for next year, three player coach teams. And uh, <laughs> it's still going, it's still going strong. It's, but well, I'm, I'm, I think you're, I think you're right. It's the community is such a huge draw, but I mean, you obviously have a great passion for the actual jumping as well, because I'm deep in the community, but I don't jump nearly as much as most people anymore. And you're still going hardcore. 
Yes, yes. What, what's cool with skydiving is like you can do so many different things, right? Like the, you know, just the different disciplines, the four way, the eight way, the 16 way, those are all a little bit different. Like um, next month, we're going to go to Abu Dhabi for the big tunnel to train our 16 way, which is incredible that we can even do that nowadays. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, so, so, you know, and then also sometimes we work with um, the, the military as well. I just finished doing a, a two week contract. So it's all, it's, you know, it's all really different. Uh, different stuff different skydiving and sure. sometimes we do big wave formation skydiving like the the all-american invitational where you're jumping out of you know multiple different airplanes and it's almost like a reunion every time you get everybody back together so it's a it's like so it's a lot of fun in that way and the people are just amazing like i mean just like right here like getting you know getting to meet swati and diana i mean you know they're they come from different backgrounds and stuff but um but yeah just it's that's actually kind of cool, you know, to be one of the explorers with with Fadi and Diana. It's, sure. been, uh, it's been really fun meeting them. And I look forward to doing training with them and and getting into this project. Sure. Now, uh, just out of curiosity, what was your plan before skydiving uh, stepped into your life? So I was in the military and I was about to get out of the military and go back to college and become an engineer, actually. <laughs> So I was, yeah, so I actually got out and I got an associate's degree and I was about to transfer to the University of Central Florida when Airspeed called, Arizona Airspeed, like the current world champions at the time. And they they still are now, They're, you know, it's a, it's been like a 30 year team and right. they called and I thought, when am I ever going to get a chance to do this? Like, so I said, yes. And I, I moved out to Arizona thinking I'd go out for like a year or two. And it turned into nine years of, of really hardcore fun amazing four-way with a, a great group of guys that's pretty spectacular it's it's fun always hearing the different ways that uh skydiving either has enhanced somebody's life or completely derailed it and taken it a totally different direction i mean it's kind of the only way to look yes. at it yes yes now, i mean i so really I'm, love skydiving because i'm sorry i really love no skydiving. please please it's not just the skydiving. It's like you develop like so many other skills um, and like that you would have never imagined. And um, it's definitely helped me grow uh, personally in many different ways. So. Oh, incredibly so. I mean, uh, uh, in everyday life, it kind of helps to turn the volume down on things that drive everybody else crazy. Because when you just jumped out of an airplane, you know, six or seven times in a day, the guy that cut you off in traffic doesn't seem to piss you off quite so much. True. true. Yeah. <laughs> now, Swati, I was going to ask, so you're you're designing the <laughs> fish-based biomechanical body armor type stuff. What does your family think when you're doing this and you go, hey, I'm going to start jumping out of airplanes? I mean, that's kind of. Yeah, so, so to be <laughs> honest, I actually didn't tell my family that I was skydiving <laughs> until after I already had my license. So. Um, but no, I think I think overall, my my family has been really supportive of my chosen path in skydiving. I think they they see it for what it is, which is a hobby that complements or enhances my life and is just an extension of what I like to do alongside my career. I think mm. um, you know it, it is it is funny to to think that you know in a different life you know, if I had chosen a different path, like I too could have been Eliana Rodriguez and that's amazing. Um, but you know, I, I, I didn't have that path. Airspeed didn't call me to not for me a spot <laughs> on their team. So, you know, I can, I continued studying and I, you know, went down my, down my career path, became, became an engineer, got a real job, 
and kept um kept working and skydiving was just something something extra in my life that really added value mm. um i think eliana touched upon this a lot which is the the community in skydiving the ability to to meet people to make friends develop these really long lasting friendships that span across the country across the globe um and and being able to find value to add to my life with with this additional path that was alongside my career. Mm. Now, one of the things that I've seen many times talking to people is the the crossover between the careers that people have chosen in skydiving and them bringing parts of their careers into the sport to add benefit to it. I mean, mm-hmm. have you ever come across situations as an engineer and in designing the things that you do that you're like, I wonder if I could take it this way or that way with skydiving equipment, with safety equipment, stuff like that. I mean, it sounds to me like that would be right up your alley. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what um, what skydiving does for me is that it puts me in the mindset of the user of technology. You know, as a skydiver, I'm someone that's using really, really nifty equipment. I have a container, I have a parachute, you know, I have to understand how those work in order to, you know, to skydive, to save my life, um, to understand the performance and to improve. And that mindset when it comes to doing R&D and technology development and creation is, is really valuable to understand, okay, what am I building and who am I building it for? And what are they going to get out of it? So for example, say, you know, say someone's designing an airplane and you have to look at the cockpit design. So who's going to sit in that cockpit? Where are the buttons in that cockpit? If you push the buttons, do they actually work? And <laughs> or do I have to sit there and push like 20 different buttons just to do this one, one really basic thing? So mm. kind of being able to to translate from a designer in a lab to a user on the other side is is super valuable for me. Oh, and it'd have to be incredibly so. I mean, as a as a longtime pilot, I can say that I've flown aircraft that were just horribly designed and clearly did not have a pilot in mind and then the the, one of the oldest aircraft i uh fly and the one that i have the most time in is the twin otter that i think was built at first in 1964 was the original design and it's flawless ergonomically it is just the best damn plane i've ever flown but the newer ones are are shit So, so it's amazing to see when uh, you can absolutely tell that uh, an engineer invested in making sure the people using what they're doing have actually paid attention to it, which is nice. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I, and I'll offer a little tidbit of of a learning lesson for me in skydiving was that, so I, um, I mean, we're, we're sitting behind a screen, so you can't really see me, but you know, I'm five, two and a hundred pounds. So I'm a small person. Um, and a big struggle for me in skydiving was finding gear that actually fit me properly. And so, um, even custom ordered gear, I really struggled with had to send Mm. a custom container back, like three or four times the manufacturer just to just to have something that fit. And wow. so I really take that user experience thing to heart, right? Because it, it 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 does and it has affected me. And I want to make sure that systems I'm engineering are designed for their users in mind so that mm. problems like that don't continue to happen. Yes, absolutely. Well, and especially with something like skydiving, where uh, just the basics of having a a container that fits correctly can be the difference between 
being comfortable and and uh, alive and happy or dead. So it's a big deal. Now, software engineering, um, we've got an engine with software engineering. I mean, that's basically the the um, the same thing in just a different format, right? It's you're making sure that stuff works the way that it's supposed to so that people like me who have no clue how it works can manage to make it work. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, let's make me like, well, with the skydive, I think that most valuable thing that uh, they give me was like that confidence. Um, because maybe it was not my like better skill, but with the skydive, I work a lot on it and make me more confident and also uh, improve a lot the ability to concentrate and how to react with moments like with stress or with like manage a lot of different situations. And well, with the community also uh, make me like be more social and communicate and try to like express myself and try to understand like what the people needs and what I need and how the thing works. And that like you have to like traduce it in uh, in software and in solutions. Sure. I think that software engineer is like uh, try to uh, solve problems and you need to understand the things before uh, sure. make a solution. Now, the same question for you that I asked Swati. What did your family think uh, when you started jumping out of airplanes? At the beginning, uh, they were like a little bit nervous, of course. And in Costa Rica, the sport uh, is not very de- development. Mm. So they have like a lot, a lot of questions. But then they start to get like, I try to get like them involved like in the sport and they always like support me and a lot of times they travel with me and went to the drop zone and they know like the community and how everything works so after that they was like super super happy with the sport and very like supported and even my dad tried to skydive but then he cannot because he have arthritis and mm. they have like a very not very flexible and we have problems with that. So they quit, but they always like support it and they are very, very happy with the change that the sport make in my life and a lot of the skills that they give me. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, one of the, the best, ben- well, if you scout it for long enough, you're going to end up with arthritis. So your dad kind of cut out the middle. Because <laughs> trust me, I'm not very flexible anymore either. So now, Eliana, yeah. tell me a bit about how this project uh, came about, because um, I saw the the uh, an, an initial post. It probably was a month ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer that you uh, put out a post and instantly messaged you like, shit, we got to talk. I got to find out what's going on. So how did how did this all start? Uh, 
Yeah, so I actually came into it, um, the first time I heard about it was November of 2021. And actually, Diana probably has the story from earlier on, because Diana's been with the project, I'm not sure how, how long, but she kind of came in much earlier um, than I did. So she might be able to share a little bit more of that beginning part. But I got a call from Amy Shimalecki and Sarah Curtis, because mm-hmm. Rising United, which is the nonprofit organization that's, uh, you know, has created this project. And um, they called them because they were doing uh, Project 19. And so they were looking for, um, they they had Diana already, uh, but they wanted to, you know, they wanted uh, at least a primary um, explorer and a backup, right? They wanted two. And so they were looking for other women. So they asked Amy and, and Sarah if they, if they had women that they can recommend for this project. And so, um, yeah, so they, when they got, you know, they got the call and they were told about the project and they said, we're, we want to break this uh this high altitude jump record but this time with a woman mm. um and so they're like oh I, I think I know I know I know the woman for you so, <laughs> so then I got the call and the first time I got the call I was like it, my heart dropped I was like "Ooh, that's a that's a big one and um it definitely felt nervous even like just sitting there like listening to the to, to the message or to to them telling me about it but also I was very curious and I was like okay tell me more you know I want to hear more about this and so they they went on to tell me more and then connect me with um two women from um Rising United uh Pam and Anna but I I, I think uh Diana can you share a little bit how that you know th- that early stage when you were part of it before we even got into it Oh, well, I think this was not a lot of much story before. Uh, it was not easy like to find uh, girls that uh, like have that combination that they are looking for because they wanted like a woman with STEM background and skydive. So they I started to do it like a very, very strong uh, search. And one like of the started points was uh, Project 19. And we find uh, El- Eliana and Suari mm. there. So, you know, one of the coolest things about it, uh, and one of my favorite things about the sport, I've been in, I think Eliana, I started jumping maybe a year after you. So we've both been in it for a while now. I've been getting my ass handed to me in skydiving by women my entire career. Um, literally it's just all the way down the line from the, from the very beginning. And so, um, I think even the last, probably the last five episodes out of the last six or seven have all been very, um, bold and, and, uh, prominent women in skydiving. Um, and so I never really thought twice one way or the other, but as soon as you say they'd be looking for a women to do something like this, I can think off the top of my head of at least a dozen that would be, just badasses and and might not be the right fit, but they'd absolutely be into it. And I think that's absolutely fantastic that it's finally getting to the point where it's being highlighted in a way that I kind of always took for granted because you guys had just been kicking my ass forever. <laughs> yeah, there was there was definitely more women involved and then they narrowed it down to the three of us. So sure. one of the stories about that was that they um they, we we actually went for a test in Houston to try on a spacesuit, which is like incredible, right? Like who, who what, like to, to to NASA? We we went to um so um 
so Paragon, um, they have acquired a spacesuit company. And so we they had just actually moved there. And so we went to their building. And Paragon, a space development corporation, is the uh, company that's good, that worked with Alan Eustace to create the life support system. Yep. And they, they're they working with uh, with this Hair Rising project to do the same, which is really good because they've already been through it, right? They've already learned a lot in the process. Um, but um, this time they have their own spacesuit company. And so we went there to try it on and just to try it on like pressurized and everything. Um, so that's when I met Swati. I don't know if I've met, I don't think I've met you before. And then Diana, I had met, I actually had jumped with Diana in Costa Rica for the one of the boogies. But, um, and they were like looking just for two. So they, after this test, one of us was, was going to be out, but we, we were all so supportive of each other. Like, like you, you know, seems like I'm a normal thing, right? You know, we all got along really well and and they really loved seeing that. And they were like, you know what? We really, like that really touched us how supportive they were. And we want the story to be more about women lifting each other up instead of like competing for like one spot. So they actually decided and they changed their minds and they decided to take three of us. And so we don't know yet who's gonna go because there's there still has to be a lot more testing sure. you know, once they get more of the funding. But right now it's the, it's the three of us um, as explorers. And then one of us is going to get to be the one to go, but we're going to be supporting each other all the way. <laughs> so when you're in a pressurized spacesuit, there's got to be a moment that you're like, holy shit, I just jumped out of an airplane once. How in the hell am I in a spacesuit? Yes, definitely. That was definitely the thought. I was like, I can't believe I'm here trying on a spacesuit or even talking about it. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But I actually was ha like happily surprised because I, uh, I I heard that sometimes people have issues with claustrophobia. And um, I thought this pressurized meant like you were going to get really squeezed into a suit. Mm. But it felt the opposite. Once they, press they started pressurizing it, the suit actually came away from you. And it's like mm. really roomy in there. So we, you know, they, they, that was one of the tests to see if, how we felt in the suit and if we even wanted to do it after trying the suit on and getting it pressurized. <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, I, I wouldn't want to do the jump at that. The idea of jumping from where you guys want to jump from scares the piss out of me, but I'm a huge uh, space nut, like the Apollo program and all that stuff. And so I just want to put the suit on. I just want to go walk around in the suit. <laughs> I'm with you, Dean. Like I, I, Absolutely think skydiving from the stratosphere is scary. I mean, how could you not? A big part of my job is risk assessment. So when I first heard about this project, all I could think about was, okay, well, that could go wrong and that could go wrong and that could go wrong and that's scary. And how are they going to do that and that and that and that and that? But, um, you know, Eliana talked about this trip we took down to Paragon. And I think, you know, me personally, and I, I think I speak for all three of us, we were really struck by the the technical rigor of the folks at Paragon and and their attention to detail and the engineering and and you know really thinking about all of the technology that they're developing and you know circling back to it the user that's on the other side so in, in that case that's us the user of the spacesuit and and just really seeing the thoughtfulness and the expertise that they put into their suits and into the way that this whole project was going to be put together built a lot of confidence in me saying mm. you know what maybe maybe this isn't so scary after all like science can solve a lot of problems and i think this is one indeed it can now um ultimately 
I would I would ballpark my guess at the goal behind the entire project was I believe with Colonel Kittinger back in 1969 when he did the first jump. That idea was specifically as a bailout system in case something went wrong launching astronauts into space, right? So is this an attempt to further that, or what's the what's the goal and what's the reason behind the project? Anybody? <laughs> Well, I think that um, the project have like um, a lot of goals, but uh, one of the main of the the goals is uh, inspire, like inspire another uh, woman to get involved in STEM, and of course to like dream big, mm. and and that we can be able to do like whatever we we want. Uh, always with uh, supported with hard work and um, and working like team working and I mm. think that one of the things that I really like about uh, skydive sport and helped me a lot uh, with this project is that at the beginning like even when I start the sport uh, you can see like a lot of women involved and you can see like uh, with the skydive, you can you don't have like that difference, like woman or men. Like mm -hmm. we just work all together, and you can always have a, like a support about like it doesn't care your gender. Mm -hmm. You can compete woman and like and men's together, and it was like very nice. So we want to like uh, get that message to the world, like for that just try to like work together and and get like in big projects and mm. follow your dreams and make it through nice now uh, on the engineering side of things do you know or how much can you talk about um how the ascent is to be made uh, i know with felix it was in a capsule uh then the google guy went and just hooked himself to a balloon uh is there um already a plan in the works or is that something you guys can talk about uh no, they already have an idea i'm sorry sorry diana they already have an idea that they want to do it like alan eustace's job where it's if you're in the suit and you're getting pulled up by the balloon and then you get released in that in your body position already as opposed to jumping out of a capsule um and also they're going to use a, a drogue so the drogue that alan used was really yeah so I, I'm, I'm really happy about that yeah <laughs> actually um and, and the drogue's got a really interesting system because it's got what they call a saber where as it you get released from the balloon and as the drogue is coming out the drogue actually gets stiff because when you're up there in those first few seconds there's like really no air and it's very easy to start tumbling and um and so the drogue won't wrap around because mm. it starts to get like into a pole um so well yeah, so wasn't that one of the big things with kittinger's first one is he did his jump he stepped off the the basket through the drogue and it just fell next to him so he he was actually in the in the gondola and he had a timer for the drogue to start i think it was about 12 seconds later or something mm. like that 
And while he was moving around, you know, because it's all tight in there with this pressurized suit, he started the timer too early, but he got out and it, and it came out a little bit too quickly before he had any speed. And so it wrapped around his neck. And fortunately he was, um, because he had a pressurized suit, it didn't choke him, but it tur- it put him into a very violent spin, which mm. I, I think he passed out and, and woke up under his reserve. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, well, and then yeah. uh, when Felix did his jump and, of course, had an issue with a spin for a portion of the the jump. And one of the things that uh, impressed me the most about Alan's jump was there was no publicity about it before it happened. Nobody knew. It was just all of a sudden, yeah, that record that uh, Felix set, yeah, that's not a record anymore. And then the documentary came out about it. And I believe that was Paragon Suits, Yes. Yeah, that one of the things that give give us a lot of confidence uh, is that that it's the same company Paragon. It was the one that designed and get all the Alan project. So that it was, was like it a was very, uh, very... it was amazing. <laughs> so another cool thing that's happening now is that Paragon and NASA have gotten a lot of funding to develop the next spacesuit for astronauts mm. because one of the issues they've had is that um the the suits right now that they have are old technology from like the 60s they've just done i think done some modifications but um they had some women that were going to walk on the moon and they weren't able to because not because they weren't qualified but because the suit didn't fit them yeah so now with uh, paragon is working on the suit so i feel like you know by them working on the suit for for the astronauts and for us, it's going to, it's going to help kind of push that, um, you know, the technology and the engineering and all that, you know, to have better spacesuits for, for women. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I had seen something along the lines of that NASA was down to an incredibly small number of usable suits uh, that they just don't have them anymore. They're not making the stuff that they need to repair them and that they, they had to develop these new suits, but what a cool way and cool motivation to do that. And Swati is an engineer. You must just be eating this up. This is amazing. (laughs) I mean, yes, absolutely. From an engineering perspective, everything about this mission is, is just incredible. I've enjoyed learning so much about spacesuits, as well as the engineering challenges that are associated with not just a spacesuit for space, but a spacesuit for for skydiving, for being Mm. in the stratosphere and traveling all the way through these different layers of the atmosphere back to Earth Mm. and and the different challenges that are involved with pressurization, oxygen, heating, cooling, mobility, all that sort of stuff. so yes, absolutely. And and I think like one of my dreams with this project is that I'm so excited to fly a spacesuit in the wind tunnel. Like I, <laughs> I can't wait for that day. It's gotta be just, I mean, the the prospect of all the different cool things on the way has just gotta be so exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what's the time frame? I mean, I know this is still in the early stages and stuff, but are there ballpark numbers for when the project is going to be getting to full steam? Yes, the plan is about a two year training cycle from the time that the project kicks off. So I think that the target, therefore, two years from now would be the end of 2025. 
Um, and then there's there's a whole lot of different steps that are involved in the training process. So a lot of these things will be done in parallel. So one, for example, is the spacesuit design and development. One thing we learned at the trip we took to, to try on the spacesuits is that the spacesuit needs to be redesigned for any one of us. Mm. Um, so there, there's some amount of R&D that needs to go into that to create a suit to fit us. Um, and and to accomplish this mission. But uh, other, otherwise, there's a lot of training that we have to go through. So doing high altitude skydives and, and at progressively higher and higher altitudes, there is learning to, to manipulate these large parachutes. So I personally, I'm not a tandem instructor, so I've never flown a parachute that's 300, 400 square feet. So that will be something that I have to learn to do. Um, flying the spacesuit in the wind tunnel, figuring out the different flight mechanics. I think one thing that um, that they discovered during the um, the R and D leading up to the Alan Eustis jump was that the spacesuit flying in the spacesuit was actually very opposite to the way you skydive normally. So they realized that you know your inputs of you know put your right hand down to turn right was actually opposite in the spacesuit, just based on the way that the different pieces of the suit and the attachments and where your center of gravity is and all these different doodads and things are, are hanging off of you. Um, so we we might even just need to relearn how to fly. Sure. Well, I mean, the aerodynamics are obviously going to be different to what degree would remain to be seen. Absolutely. So yes, I... let me ask you all a question. So so this goes two years from now, you guys make the successful jump or whoever makes it. Uh, at the same time, we've seen an incredible ramp up in um, the uh, space program. They're talking about landing on the moon, getting all this stuff going on the moon in the attempt to eventually go to Mars. Artemis is about to take the longest trip out with astronauts coming up. So they they build spacesuits that fit you. What if they ask you to put it to a, a slightly more use than just jumping off a, a balloon? What if you got a chance to go up? Right? Hey. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> 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 we will have a little bit of the training, so maybe they can save money of that and I mean, that just logically <laughs> that just logically jumps into my mind. You're going to have people that are trained specifically more than most other human beings on the planet in the uses of and comfort in a spacesuit and software engineers and, and designers. And I mean, come on, who knows? Yeah, that's what's cool about skydiving, right? Like you have you go and make a jump. You just don't know what the what it's going to bring once you, you know, like you're you're going down that road what doors open what opportunities come up it's just like yeah this and i i i've said this a couple of times that this feels like you know when i made my first jump you know that i had no idea that of the world of possibilities that were out there and right. just by like taking that step and now like taking this step to to be part of this project you know we just don't know what what the future holds it's no great. you never do especially because of this sport i mean uh last week i was standing in kenya being licked by a giraffe i didn't see that coming i mean <laughs> so you never know what's coming next so um how involved now as it's starting is it is it just going to be progressive for you guys or are you already into it um is it i mean how fast is this coming at you now 
So right now it's still in the fundraising phase, right? Because it's uh, this thing, you know, it's going to take a lot of funding, you know, just sure. building a spacesuit on its own. It's a very expensive, uh, expensive thing. Um, so right now they're they're looking for funding. So if anybody's interested, they can go to risingunited.org and there's more information on there. Um, but um, yeah, we're in the fundraising phase of this project because it's not just a fundraising phase to go up to um, make this jump it's not just a, this this is not about just a single jump it's about um, creating like a curriculum around stem so that not only kids that have tvs and electricity can see but also underprivileged kids can be part of and they can be inspired as well you know mm. so it's a very big big project if you go to risingunited.org uh, you'll see like there's a whole team of people of of um you know stem phd uh, you know people that are going to put a very you know something together and and it's going to align the the stem curriculum is going to from from what i've been told is going to align with the project right so as we're doing each part of the project they're going to create something for 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 young people to to be inspired and to be part of it and to uh, to understand what's going on so that's nice. all exciting because it's not just about uh, just a jump right it's not just about the jump it's like way bigger than that so <laughs> sounds like uh, nasa and spacex need to get hit up for a little cash <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. So, so now outside of this project and and uh all the wonderful implications that it has um what else is going on skydiving with each of you guys i mean elian obviously you're going crazy jumping three teams coming up i mean uh, uh swati how about you is it uh, uh just fun jumping and and now waiting as this comes along or are there things in skydiving your goals that you're trying to achieve yeah. So, so for the past several years, I was involved with the Project 19 project that um, Eliana had talked about um, with with Amy Chimalecki and Sarah Curtis. That was a big effort to build the next vertical formation. Um, so head down, all women, their target was a hundred way for this. And they realized that there needed to be some significant efforts put into the sport, not only to get 100 women who could fly head down and, and have the skill set to be part of this record, but to encourage them to, to actually all come and show up and do this. So that was a big part of, of skydiving for me for the past four years. And after Project 19 kind of wrapped up, this year turned into um, more about the, the fun jumping scene and learning and, and and so, you know, fun jumping, going to boogies. I started organizing at boogies. So I was one of the organizers at Summerfest this year, which was a lot of fun for me to be on that other side to to teach instead of just be in receive mode. And, and I absolutely loved that and hope to continue doing more of that. Um, but also learning some other disciplines. So I've been free flying and skydiving basically ever since I got started. And I, this year decided, you know what, I want to learn to to do some dynamic flying. So I put a lot of hours in the tunnel to start chipping away at those skills. And, you know, right now it feels like a never ending process. So I'm sure that I'll, I'll keep going down that path, but the dynamic flying, starting to learn how to angle fly and, and really build out the skill set in my skydiving path. Now, this is also while you're working, what I would assume is a pretty demanding engineering job. Yeah. So on top of skydiving, I, I, I got a new job this 
here and moved across the country. So across the country and setting up a new life. So this has been a good kind of transition year for me. So <laughs> trying some new things in skydiving, you know, new job, new house, new, nice. new life. Um, and then I'll skydiving from space. Skydiving from space. All right. Software engineering and skydiving. Is it an easy mix or are you working your ass off too? And how's the jumping going? Well, um, it's a very like nice um, mix because uh, software engineer uh, helped me a lot. Like, and I can just work on travel. So I'm working on it. I don't have that much jumps than Eliana and Swati. So I will be learning from these excellent teachers that I have here, part of the team. <laughs> So, but yeah, that software engineer like allows me to be in this sport. Like they gave me like the money to do it sure. <laughs> at the time because I can come back, like I can mix both. Like I sure. can travel and work at the same time. I just need a Wi-Fi and I can work wherever I want. So that's not. I'm gonna get some some good tips. And a lot of skills from these both teachers well, uh, that I have. So I cannot be more lucky. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's not too many people that uh, have someone like Ileana to be able to lean on. And also not too many people on the planet that have as many jumps as her. So, I mean, what? Do you, how many jumps are you up to now, Ileana? I have around 16,000 jumps. Yeah. So that's a lot of years of jump, nothing but jumping. <laughs> that's a lot of up and down, a lot of up and down. Well, and, and that young man you hang out with a bit, Craig, he's got a few too, doesn't he? Yeah, about maybe like over 30,000, like 32 or 33, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's jumping since he was 15, like constantly. <laughs> oh, now what does he think of uh, of this? Is is he uh, is he a little jealous that uh, you're getting a shot at this and he's not? No, he's super supportive. <laughs> and he's like, if you want to do it, I'll support you, but just make sure you want to do it, right? You know, Sure. Is So, I mean, is there nerves in regard to something like this? Because this is next level shit. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what Swati said, it definitely helped meeting the people from Paragon and like learning about them and, and the fact that they've already, you know, they have all the intellectual data, I guess they call it, and all the stuff and they've learned a lot from them. But um, it's still, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's skydiving, you know how it is. Anytime you do something new, you know, new gear, new place, new, you know, new, you know, new things, it's always, it could be a little bit nerve wracking, but this is going to sure. definitely, I'm going to have to do a lot of visualization. So, I mean, <laughs> it would almost, um, I, I would think it would take me all the way back to just deciding to learn how to skydive that level of nervousness. Cause it's, it's such a huge leap above and you'd be, whoever does this first jump is going to be the fourth person in the world ever yeah. to do this this yeah. is forget male or female fourth is still <laughs> really yeah. high up there i mean yeah. that's something else yes i mean and the highest i've jumped was for the thailand world record which is twenty five thousand feet but this is a completely different story with the system and the oxygen and the out of you know with a balloon pulling you up Right. Uh, I I've, I have been thinking about that, like just that view that you're going to get as you leave the earth. And then just like once you're up higher, 
being able to see it. I, I actually had a conversation with Alan Eustace and I was like, how was that? You know, when you were up, what were you thinking about? And he was like, I was going over all my emergency procedures or all my, or everything that I needed to do. So he had lots of time to visualize, but he said it was really relaxing. Like it was just really pretty to watch. And he said that it was turning very slowly. So he was getting a 360 degree view of, of everything, but he, he kept his heart rate really low. So we have a, we have a challenge on our hands to also keep our heart rate low, just because you're also just you have a, a certain amount of oxygen in there. And you know, if you, you know, there, there's a certain <laughs> not on limit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you would have to be very good at at just keeping yourself very relaxed and very in the moment. But that's a huge benefit to already being skydivers. Is I mean, we've all had to learn to deal with a certain level of anxiety and fear just to get through the day. So especially with the kind of planning that would go into it. Now, what's the, what's the uh, proposed ascent time? I mean, I think Alan's was what 25 or 30 minutes to altitude. No. Or was so it longer? Yeah. It's a climb. I think, Sadi, do you know, I think it was two hours. And oh, was yeah, it? Holy I shit. Say on the order of two to four yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now what's the altitude that's uh, uh that's been discussed? What are you shooting for? 13955 in feet. <laughs> yeah. 139,500 feet and then in meters it's like 42519 meters. That's just <laughs> crazy. I would I think I'd have the irrational fear that uh, I'd cut away the balloon and just get stuck there. <laughs> you know Shit, what? We went too high. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking that like when we went to Paragon, I was like, what if it you like you can't cut away or something, right? You get these thoughts, of course, you know, these and um and 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 uh Ronald Chang Diaz, who was actually one of the guys who started this idea, you know, um, he was saying, you know, there's still gravity up there, you know, like you, you know, there's still even though there's like it's less, right? But it's still at some point it's gonna, you know, start going down. But do you know that the balloon as it goes up? The balloon Allen was using, it got to the size of a football field. Yeah, because, you know, it's healing a balloon. And as it goes sure. up, it's just a row, you know, so, yeah. Well, and, and any jumpers that have done a a, a jump with a, a raft or something like that know that you have to slowly let that air out because it's going to continue to expand on the way up. And then you're going to land with a floppy raft. But, yeah, so I can only imagine the amount of gas that it would take to get you that high. That's just... That's pretty incredible. Yeah, because it's almost like that's the stratosphere. And I think the stratosphere goes to like 150,000. And then it goes into another level, another layer, you know, the, the mesosphere. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, no, no, I'm going to watch. <laughs> I'm going to watch. So as we get towards the end, I want information on how people can uh, not only talk to you guys in person about this stuff and, and get more information from you, but uh, for any low organizing team stuff, jumping uh, in the same order, how do people find you on social media? How do they find out about the project? Yeah, so to, to find out about the project, go to risingunited.org. You'll find information about kind of what the whole project is, more information about us as individuals coming to the project and the, the entire team that's involved, um, like the, the, the spacesuit team, the platform team, all of the STEM education, the, and, and, and basically everything that's involved with this whole project. So you can find out about it there. 
at risingunited.org. You can also donate to this, this project. As Eliana said, we're still in the fundraising phase. So any amount helps um, to help us accomplish this mission and get us off the ground. Um, for me personally, um, I, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is more altitude. So that's more underscore altitude. Uh, so you can, you can find me there and, and get in touch with me. Uh, I'm always happy to talk more about this project, about, uh, science, about skydiving, about all the things that go into being just like a person who likes doing cool stuff in the world. Um, and, and and really look forward to connecting with, with the broader audience about everything that's going on here and what we're hoping to accomplish. Very cool. Very cool. Next up. Well, for me, well, I think that uh, Suadi explains and give you the information of the project. So uh, my personal uh, Instagram is Diana Valerin. Super easy. <laughs> I will be very open to uh, answer questions about the project or about engineer. <laughs> very, very cool. Now, Ileana, uh, how do they follow all the crazy amount of jumping you're going to be doing as well as everything else that you've got going on? So if they're at Scott of Arizona, you might see me at Scott of Arizona running around on back-to-back -back jumps, you know, with my teams <laughs> um, in, the, in the heat. <laughs> but so, yeah, so that's my base, Scott of Arizona. Um but um, I'm on Facebook, Eliana Rodriguez. And um, I am on, actually, I I started the, the Instagram when I got on Highlight and I've been terrible about posting on it. So I, I got to get better at that. I haven't quite gotten into that. So that that's coming. But, um, or you can reach me at Eliana Rodriguez coaching at gmail.com. So. Fantastic. Guys, <laughs> I cannot tell you how cool it's been. We could, I could sit and ask questions for days about this. I remember seeing both of the projects that have already been done. And of course, knowing about Kittinger from, uh, you know, I mean, the guy was a rock star, especially considering he did it in 69 and, and just everything that's going on and, and uh, the project itself and the drive behind it is absolutely incredible. I could keep going for days and days, but we're not going to do that. I just want to thank you so much all for taking the time. I can't wait to see how it goes and I can't wait to see what comes next. Thank you, Dean. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, Dean. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, Check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the LunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.